millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. You're listening to My Millennial Money Property. I'm Glenn James and this is John Pigeon. Hey, John, how are you? Hi, Glenn. Well, thanks. Mate, this is your time to shine, isn't it? This is exciting, isn't it? We're doing a dedicated property podcast, (laughs) narrow and deep. But before we get into it, John, there's one very important thing that you need on your property investing journey. Yeah. Or buying your first home, you need a good mortgage broker. And Sean and the team from wellmanfinance.com.au is supporting My Millennial Money Property. So if you do need a high-protein, qualified mortgage broker, wellmanfinance.com.au forward slash M3, reach out, connect with Sean, and he'll look after you. Now, John, you've personally used Sean for many years. I have, yeah, and, and sent clients to him in the past as well. The good thing I like about Sean is that he's a uh, a, a savvy property investor himself. So he knows the ins and outs for his own situation and, and can relate that back to clients, which is pretty important in the mortgage space. And Sean services clients all around Australia. So wherever you are, if you are after a quality mortgage broker for your property investing journey, reach out to Sean and the team and we'll put the details in the show notes. So you will be hearing a bit about Sean at the start of all these episodes because he has partnered with us to help bring this amazing content to you. Okay, John, do's and don'ts of the auction process. Yeah, so hit me. Pre-framing, are we are we having just as much fun on this one or are we just getting straight to the point? Probably 80% to the point. Yeah. Okay. 20% fun where right. my millennial money is 80% fun, 20% <laughs> to the point. <laughs> <Correct>. <laughs> so get there eventually. Yeah. Yeah. So from an options point of view, auctions are the least preferred method of buying a property in my personal view. Now, I want to speak to you today about the reasons as to why that's the case, um, but they do play a part in Australia and, and Australia and agents generally love property and definitely the auction process is popular for vendors and usually as a rule of thumb, vendors win out. The purchaser often doesn't win out, meaning they pay too much. And for those who are new to property, the term vendor means... Means the person that owns the property Who right is now. Who's selling it. Correct. Yes. And yeah. I always think vending machine. You yes. Vend, you give. So yes. the vendor is the sales person. Yeah. Yeah. So the vendor is the person or party selling the property. Correct. And yeah. it's often what you're saying is more appropriate if you are selling a property to go to auction. Yeah. So. It really, you're really guided by the real estate agent who's selling the property on your behalf. So they'll recommend a strategy and whether that be a private treaty, which means buying um, just with open homes and then someone offering a price and the vendor accepting that price or an auction, which basically means we have open homes in the lead up process, but there's a definite time and place where we're running that auction and the property needs to be sold at that time right, in the vendor's eyes. Right now, what can happen is two things: the property is sold on that day and that time through a bidding process. Now, 
the other option is that it's not sold and it's considered passed in. So what happens when the when it's passed in is the vendor hasn't received the price that they're after, so they'll pass it back in to be put back on the market at a price negotiable. So the positives from an auction process point of view for the purchaser are essentially that I know that I can buy that property at that certain time and day and, and I've had chance to look over it and get a building and pest done, et cetera, et cetera, right? The negatives, however, I think are far greater in the sense that 40 people can be at an auction, 20 of them can bid, a motion steps in and I was going to pay $500,000 for the property but because that person kept putting their hand up, I kept bidding against them and it was like a race to the finish line. I ended up paying $550,000 and now I own the property. Which is a trap if you do not have the mortgage lined up ready to go if you did actually get swept up in the emotion. Yeah, correct. And, and, and does that actually happen, John? Well, it, it can happen to someone as a first-time buyer. And, and I suppose I'm talking generally about buying your own home or an investment property right now. But I had a meeting earlier today with a client who's going to an auction this Saturday for the first time to buy their own home to live in. And they weren't aware of the conditions of auction. So the conditions are that at the fall of the hammer, which is what the auctioneer uses to, or the gavel. Um, Bloody need one around here. <laughs> so when when the property sold at your 550000 for example, the winning bidder or the new owner essentially has to put down a, a 5 or 10% deposit by the next business day and then has their 28 days or 40 days or whatever it may be to settle on that property. Now, should they not have finance or the situation changes in that time period, they could potentially lose their 10% deposit and also be up for legal fees. So it's very clear that you've got your ducks lined up. You can't go to auction and commit because once you go and win at auction, you are committed on the spot. Um, things can change in people's lives, can't they? So if you're going to auction next Saturday... Um, and, and settlement will be in 28 days or 40 days thereafter. Am I in an occupation where I could get the sack in two weeks? So understanding that things can change in people's lives. So you need to have a reasonable amount of certainty for the next 12 months, two years, especially if you're going to auction, because if you turn around and lose your job in, in 15 days after you've bid at auction and been the successful bidder, then we're in a, a lot of serious trouble here. We're financially committed to something that we we can no longer uh, hold the hold the running costs of. Can we talk bidding strategy? Is there a preferred yeah. strategy that you would coach your clients through? It's a case of um, doing what I say, not what I do. An example of that, 12 months ago, we went to auction personally to buy our own principal place of residence. And I went in with a figure that said, yeah, I'm going to walk away at this price, but I let others do the bidding early on and then I came in late with that amount that I w that was actually my ceiling, right? So, so the first time you showed your cards, that was it. Was the ceiling, yeah. Now, that could go one or two ways. It could, um, it could motivate the other bidders to continue going up or they get the feeling that, hang on, this guy's actually just leapt the bidding by $80,000. And he's just getting started. He's just so. warming up, right? So thankfully it was the um, 
It was the latter, and that was uh, that was all that was needed to be done to secure the property. I wouldn't recommend doing that. But what I would say, have a strategy before you enter the auction mosh pit or whatever they call it. Yeah, correct. And stick to your strategy. Like, absolutely. Right or wrong, that was your strategy and you didn't deviate. No, absolutely. And, and that's where people go wrong is if they do have a strategy – it changes halfway through the auction because they're emotionally wrapped up in it. They, they just need to win, especially if they're a comp- competitive beast as well. Um, so so what do you tell your clients? Is, is, yeah, is, is not to get too excited about it all. Don't, don't sh- let the agent see that you're excited about being at auction and, and just have that steely reserve about you that says, well, I'll bid on my terms and I won't be influenced by the agent coming over and talking in my ear saying, have you got another bid in you? Um, I, I don't generally want people to become to be the leading opening bidder. Um, yeah, you can show some interest, but you don't really have to come in until things start to get a bit serious. Um, now, the the advantage of being a bidder that essentially wins the auction but doesn't win the house. Now, the exam, um, what I mean by that is, you can be the highest bidder, but the the vendor chooses not to accept your bid because it's too low. Right. And if no one's prepared to bid any higher than that, then that's when the the house is essentially passed in. If it's passed in and you're the winning bidder, you're the first person to negotiate post-sale or post-auction, sorry. So, Okay, is that just from a, a social point of view that, oh, this guy, he was the highest bidder, would rather discuss it with him because – he or she may have more money or is there an unwritten rule within the real estate world? Yeah, it's definitely an unwritten rule. Um, Look, it can be broken, but essentially you get first conversation to say, well, can we meet halfway and and go an extra 10,000 and let's get this deal done sort of thing. If it did get passed in and then you were at the negotiation table with the vendor, would it still be by settlement same day auction rules or you can go all right well all bets are off baby we can we want a six-week settlement blah blah blah. yeah absolutely yeah you I get guess a lot you're more. getting the power back then correct you're winning it back so there's a lot more flexibility in that now yeah i mean that's only in the event that the the, the property's passed in um so yeah you still want to go don't go over that figure that you've got as a ceiling um you can also, the real estate agent, and I don't know how ethical this is, but you could always ask the real estate agent off the record because they want the sale just as much as you want yes. to buy the place because it means commission to them. Absolutely. They're technically not allowed to tell you the reserve, are they? No. Or is it, well, the auction's over now. I can actually tell you what the reserve was just saying if you want to offer that. Wink, yeah, wink, well, nudge, nudge. usually what happens is a vendor is allowed one bid themselves. Right. So I could offer 500000 and the vendor's thinking in their own mind that their reserve is 600. So their bid might come in and say, well, I want to bid 600,000. So if, a, okay, so that's good. So if you're at an auction, you would you know who the vendor is? No, usually you don't. Right. Sometimes they're hanging about or sitting in the house if the auction's outside, but a lot of cases you won't know who it is. But the, the, the agent will be coming over saying, we're getting close to the reserve. Now, if we're close to the reserve, we get an idea of us as to where it might be um, in our own minds, but we're never usually told what the reserve is. Um, and I guess if I'm talking as a representative for somebody 
who is buying their first property, either as an investment or to live in, it may mean by default they haven't got as much experience as a third-time property investor. Yep. If there is a home that you want to live in that's for sale and it says auction on the 24th of next month or whatever, yeah. would you ever encourage that person to go and make an offer anyway and try and snap it before auction? Look, I don't mind playing around with that system as long as you absolutely know what it's worth. And and you, you're I guess because there is a risk there that you could overshoot the runway and they're happy. Oh, bloody oath, we'll take. Yeah, it that's right. right. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm, and you've realised that you've paid fifty grand too much for something. Um, right. But and there's also the investment versus principal place of residence. So there's a there's a strategy for investment that's even more non non emotional than the principal place of residence. But either way, I don't think you should be buying property if we're not intending it to hold eight to 10 years minimum, um, unless it's uh, some type of development. Okay. So John, we're going to auction as an investor and we're going to auction as a family home like you did uh, last year. Any particular strategies there that are worth noting or any do's and don'ts for the different, I guess, investment products that you're buying or is it a home? Yeah. Look, I think as a rule of thumb for, to buy an investment property, I, I personally would um, stay away from auctions, right? And I would try to buy off-market, private treaty, deal with the vendor, get the agent clued up as to now I'm buying in the area, tell me when they're about to be listed type scenario as opposed to waiting in line for auction day to occur. Um Whereas your principal place of residence, um, your wife comes through, the kids have a look at it, emotion can really play a part, which it's got to because you are going to live in well, it. You want to enjoy life. Correct, yeah. So there's a bit more of that whole holistic next 10 years, this is how we're going to use the backyard. If we pay an extra 100 grand, it doesn't matter because <laughs> yeah. we want to live in it and yeah. all the and, emotional and vomit comes out which is fine we've all done it yeah that's right but i suppose that emotional vomit as you call it we just want to reduce it as much as we can instead of paying 200 over we'd like to pay what it's actually worth um, and i think having the strategy of the ceiling but absolutely doing your research beforehand so that you know what price this property is actually worth where do i go to find out what the property is actually worth so you can purchase on RP Data Core Logic, um, which is a subscription monthly, and it's quite expensive. But a lot of mortgage brokers um, and real estate agents will have those reports that they can plug in, which will give you comparable sales in the last six months in that suburb, street, etc. So if I'm going to auction up the road to Umbay, and Mary Smith is the real estate. Uh-huh. She's the agent listing the property. Can I go to her, hey, what do you think it's worth? Or can you give me some data about the area over the last 12 months? Is she or he likely to give you that data? Or is it worth going to another local real estate agent and saying, hey, I'm looking for a home in the area. Yeah. Keep One, keep your eye out. Two, I'm looking at this property. Can I give you $200 to print me an RP data report and give me your opinion? Yeah. Would yeah. that be a strategy? Yeah, it would. Uh, look, I think most good mortgage brokers will have that facility to be able to do that for you anyway. Sure. Um, and, and it's about relations, isn't it? And so if you've got good relations with 
maybe agents in the area or your mortgage broker, you should be able to get that. But, but I, I am always encouraging people, don't be afraid to do something out of the ordinary. Yeah. That if it's an investment property in an area that you don't live, you don't know anyone, fly down there, walk around. Can I say to that agent, I'll flick you $200 to print a report just to give me a, a third party assessment of the lay of the land. Yeah. But then, it, and it goes back to, you should be doing your own research on what's available, what's for sale, how many days on the market, because you're about to spend hundreds of thousands of dollars. You've got to take some ownership. Yeah, 100%. And that's where I think people fall short is that they don't put enough work and research into it. They'll put more into purchasing a car than they will a house. In talking investment versus principal place, if it was an investment property that I wanted and I had to go to auction, right, before going to auction, knowing that I had my finance already in order, I would offer the agent a price that hopefully took it off the market and it didn't get to auction day. That would be my preferred auction if I had to go through to that auction process. So in summary, I think... Principal place of residence, yes, you've you've got a little bit of emotion organically built in there, but you've just got to know your ceiling and then have that walk away number in your in your head that you do not budge from because you can easily walk away and I hear it a lot of times where, oh, but it only went for ten thousand more than what my ceiling was. Well, that's great, but how do you know how much more that person had left in them? They could have gone another hundred thousand. Exactly. And the when I purchased my house I actually went to auction for the front property because it was three and they were brand new. They all went to auction. Yeah. And the lady who purchased it, she was going home with that property. Yeah. Come hell or high water. Yeah. You know, you don't know if somebody's newly divorced, cashed up, ready to pull the trigger at any cost. Yeah. Uh, and the real estate wanted me to increase my bid by $1,000. Right. And to me, yeah, I could have afforded it, but it was actually above what I had set. Yeah. And I didn't have any emotion invested because I knew there was a house on every corner. Yes. The one that I ended up purchasing, no one was there and to bid on it. So I got passed in and then I ended up negotiating direct with the vendor Perfect. to get into the property. Now, yeah. in summary, there's one thing that you can do to remove all emotion from the auction process. And what is that? Don't buy an auction. <laughs> Okay, that is, yes, you, you're right, Captain Obvious. But the thing that I was talking about, and I'll put it to you as a question, yeah. if I've got a limit of $750,000, yes. for example, can I send a proxy to bid for me? Yes, you can indeed. So talk and, to me and, about how that process works. Yeah, and I'm actually doing it this Saturday, which I'm quite excited about because it's like playing a game of uh, footy or something. It gets your adrenaline going. So you're going on behalf of one of your clients? I am, yeah. So... I think he's going to come along, but he'll be a good Silent. 50 metres away. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Um, and I've told him, don't nudge me in the ribs and say, let's oh, keep stuff going. Just going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, absolutely. Third party, non-emotion. We know our ceiling. We know our game plan. Let's stick to that and, and let me run it. And do you have to register with the agent as a proxy or is it John Pigeon yeah. I'm buying for old mate or how does the practicalities work there? Yeah, so it's just a simple one page that you fill out to say that you're uh, bidding on behalf of the, this person and, and then they fill out the details and, and away you go. Sweet. Mm. Well, John, that's been a great chat just on auctions mm. and 
thank you so much for sharing your wisdom with us. Pleasure with you. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.